0: Today, um, just I have to do this. I hope it doesn't sound too superior. But, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the New Jerusalem, the Holy City. And we speak an elevated form of the English language there called Pittsburghese. Here's the official guide, Sam McCool, second edition. And that's important for you to know because I've lived in 10 other cities besides Pittsburgh. Knoxville is the city that has the most advanced language. It's most similar to Pittsburgh of all the places I've lived. This, this winter, people were talking about the road conditions, and they said they were slippy. And it was music to my ears. I haven't heard that anywhere else. And so I can use that word here, and people don't stare at me. It's great. But the important thing is to know that the Greek... The translation from the Greek in our gospel today really falls short if you're from Knoxville or Pittsburgh. They use this word, you. And where I'm from, it would be more appropriate to translate the you that Jesus uses as yuns, yins, uses, or yinses. Or here, you would say yuns or all 'all." y'all. It's You plural. This is very important. When Jesus says, peace be with you, it's not peace be with y'all. It's peace be with all y'all. Okay? That's very important to our gospel and our homily today. So keep that in mind. This past week, I made a very important trip to my hometown of Pittsburgh. I have traveled there many times in the three and a half years since my mother died and I've been back twice in the years since my father died and I was ordained a priest. But this trip was different. This was the first time I'd been home since we sold my parents' house. As much as Pittsburgh is part of my identity, it's unlikely that I will travel back there very often. Whenever I fly or drive to Pittsburgh from Knoxville, it is an expensive, time-consuming trip. And since I'm a missionary, it is very likely that there will be periods in my life when I will live even further away from Pittsburgh than I do now. I've realized this for a while, but the reality is only beginning to sink in for my family and friends back in Pittsburgh. My friends could rely on me coming through town on a regular basis, and we could catch up over a meal. My godmother and her husband were very close to my parents. They miss my parents so much... And the fact that my sister and I won't be visiting Pittsburgh seems to be salt in the wound. So there was a lot riding on this trip. How would I renegotiate all these relationships? Well, earlier today, I celebrated the first Mass ever to be held in the maximum security portion of the Knox County Detention Center. So I was celebrating Mass with five guys who know that they're not going to see their families for a very long time. And the relationships have changed very drastically there. And they're really struggling with understanding how to renegotiate those relationships. And we have some people in this community today who are about to graduate, and that's wonderful. But they are facing, in many ways, for the first time as adults, the challenge of how relationships are going to change as they move, as they are no longer students. Yesterday, just a coincidence, but I came across an article online called Why It's So Hard to Make Friends After College. It is different after you graduate from college because you don't really just hang out with people. And that brings us to today's gospel passage. Jesus is addressing his disciples at the Last Supper. This is an incredibly important part of the Gospel of John. Jesus' instructions to the disciples at the Last Supper are four of the 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. Jesus knows that he will not be with his disciples much longer. Even after his resurrection, he realizes that he will only be with his disciples for a few weeks or months before returning to his Heavenly Father. How are the disciples supposed to stay in relationship with Jesus, to nurture and grow in that relationship when they will no longer see Jesus? Of course, this challenge is not restricted to the disciples present at the Last Supper. The Gospel of John was probably written about 60 years after the Last Supper. Very few of the disciples in John's community, which we believe was in Ephesus, would have ever met Jesus of Nazareth. Ephesus in 90 AD was very far in time and distance from Jerusalem in 30 AD. In his account of the Last Supper, John is addressing a concern of all Christians today. How are we supposed to love Jesus, to grow in relationship with Jesus, when we have never met him in the flesh? Jesus' instructions probably surprised his disciples at the Last Supper as much as they should shock us today. The way to live in Jesus' love is not to hang on to a memory of what Jesus did, nor is it to focus only on a personal individualistic relationship with Jesus. The way to recreate the love of Jesus is to live out his teachings, to live as he did. Think about it. Jesus' ministry was to make God known to the world by living out the will of his heavenly Father in a very public way, following that will even to a very public and violent death. Jesus did not carry out the Father's will only by nurturing his private relationship with God. The Gospels are clear that Jesus Christ is best understood in a community context. Jesus is present whenever two or three are gathered in his name. Peace I leave with all y'all. He himself is part of God as community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The early disciples must have understood what Jesus meant. And Jesus must have been right in what he promised. Because look what's happened. A handful of Jesus' acquaintances and friends from a backwater region of Galilee lived out Jesus' teaching. And today, there are roughly 2 billion people in the world who profess to being Christians. Jesus is most present to us when we are in communion with one another. My trip to Pittsburgh was a powerful experience. Yes, I drove all over the greater metropolitan area to eat meals with various friends, as usual. But I also took four risks to publicly display my love for the people I care about. I had the nerve to ask two sets of friends if I could stay with them while I was in town. They've been dear friends for decades, but there was a sense that we took our relationship to the next level by spending so much time together under the same roof. The main reason for my going to Pittsburgh this particular weekend was to preside and preach at the wedding of a high school friend. It was a little bit awkward in that it was the second wedding for both him and his bride-to-be. I decided to take a risk in the homily to acknowledge that reality. How would these marriage vows be different from the ones that they had made to their previous spouses? I'm not sure what will happen because of what I said, of course, but I hope that it will bind all of us who were there at the wedding more closely together because we have more deeply addressed the complications of our lives together. The people who bought my parents' house had told my sister that they did not plan to change the locks. So I decided to drop my copy of the keys into the mail slot, along with a note that included my contact information and a request, if the family was comfortable, to allow me to come and say goodbye to the house. Imagine my surprise when the family called me that night and invited me to bless the house for them. It was a powerful experience to see how lovingly this family is caring for the house. It looks really different. (laughs) Much better than how we cared for it. And for the first new house blessing for me to give as a priest to be to the house in which I grew up. This weekend, this weekend, is the 50th wedding anniversary of my godmother and her husband. One of my godmother's nieces heard that I was coming to town and she arranged a surprise party for them. Yes, they were happy to see me, but they were even more moved, especially Aunt Alberta, she cried and stopped in place for a good minute, (laughs) to see so many family and friends gathered at the restaurant. Now, did everything go perfectly this past week in Pittsburgh with relationships? Well, not exactly. There was one very visible reminder that I need to keep working at nurturing my relationships with people I care about. When I walked into the restaurant for the surprise party, I was shocked to see my sister and her family there. They had driven in from Ohio for the occasion. And even though I was the one that forwarded the invitation to her because my godmother's niece didn't have her email address, neither of us realized that the other was going to be there we really need to talk more frequently. (laughs) No matter where we are in our lives, where in time, where in location, where in our relationships with others, every day is a new opportunity to live as Jesus did. Jesus lived, died, and rose for us to show us that he loved us. How are each of us called to live in his love for one another?